he who fights monsters should look to it that he himself does not become a monster. I am on the unfettered pursuit of truth. I'm Kayla Perry, and this is Honestly Unorthodox. Welcome back to this week's installment of Honestly Unorthodox. I think I am going to add what I added to my Substack recently, which was starting every episode or narration or piece with housekeeping. Because Dylan and I mentioned last week that we are really tackling something brand new in the grand scheme of both of our careers and life, I think housekeeping would be important. So that being said, Dylan is currently on his phone. Is this part of housekeeping or is this a separate ordeal? It's a separate ordeal. It's a separate ordeal. Okay. Well, do you have anything that you would like to bring up with housekeeping? <laughs> um, how are you feeling? I feel great. Why? I feel great. I I'm I know. I heard you. Co- Why? <laughs> I heard you the first six times, Kayla. <laughs> I'm I'm coming off of well, not coming off of. I'm continuing with, but I am finishing my two week abstinence from social media, and I feel absolutely fantastic. I was actually talking to my pal Shante. Hi, Shante, if you're listening to this, about how different I felt in terms of my perception of myself and my eating disorder in being off of social media. I I think that I had a very hard time for a long time that I didn't want to admit that I had been taken in not only with the ABA circles and, you know, the toxicity of those, but even just how I viewed myself. Cause there are thousands of pictures of women, muscular women in bikinis and little workout outfits at the perfect angles that are all filtered out. And, they're, you know, 40 pounds less than me and they are lifting triple what my one rep maxes are. And I wanted to think that it wasn't affecting me because I thought I had accepted that I just can't do that stuff anymore the way I used to. But man. Well, eventually you won't. I already have, have seen the the effects of, I mean, even now, even before shoulder surgery and all of that, I, I had already seen some pretty stark decreases in what I was able to do. But being away from all of it has been absolutely fantastic. Well. That was a long-winded answer to your (laughs) question. but that's what I want to come back to that because housekeeping Mm -hmm. and that question, how are you feeling? Taking that question and literally being sincere about if you ask someone that, that you listen for an answer. That this you is want n- to know. You might not want to know, <laughs> but just to be polite, like, how are you doing? How are you feeling? What's going on? We say that passing in the hallway. Hey, what's going on? What's up? And like, yeah, good. But being sincere, finding out yeah. what that person is actually thinking when you ask that question. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what the fuck you were going to say, but <laughs> I just said like, how are you feeling? And I live with you. <laughs> so look at that long witted answer. You took some time, you know, I didn't have to speak. It was amazing. Yeah. Wow. That was a relief for you then. Yeah. You should ask me more often. How oh, are you feeling? Now? Which reminds me, my friend Camille. Hi Camille. 
she asked me a question that I completely forgot to get back to her on. So let's just attach it. Let's attach it, attack it right now. She said, what, and I get this a lot. What are conversations like with your husband? Because sometimes I think people assume that any and every social interaction I get into is going to be a debate, but you and me, I wouldn't say we've gotten into it ever on air. We've had great discussions on air. And I would say that the way we interact with each other while we're recording is almost identical to how we interact outside of recording. What do you think? I agree. No, but it it takes practice to, you know, answer with one word. That's not a gift. That's true. That's hard for most people, including me. So, I want to I was being facetious, by open, the way. <laughs> open the floor. Part of housekeeping is a pen pal club that I have started. My clients, many of them, and people not that are not my clients, just that are you know clients under this large group home residential facility for adults with mental illness and disabilities, they get really lonely during the holiday season. A lot of them really struggle with behavioral challenges. Most of their family are dead, at least my people, because they are in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. So what I've started, my students and I have started writing note cards and letters to them the way that we did when we had pen pals when we were kids. I used to look forward to getting those letters. And I think we've really lost the lost touch with the beauty of the handwritten letter and the anticipation of waiting because everything is in text and email now. So if I opened it up to anybody that wanted to join in the pen pal club, I will send you the names and the interests and the ages of my clients. Uh, If you want to email me at the angry behavior analyst at gmail.com, I will send that over to you along with an address that you could send all of your letters to. We ideally would like to have multiple letters for multiple clients to last from essentially the beginning of November all the way through the new year. So I'm hoping that we can make that happen. That'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited. And before we move into today's main conversation, I must read to you a a letter from one of my students to one of my clients. I, I just, this warms my heart. Okay, here we go. This is from one of my kids. I wish you a very wonderful holiday season. To help you with that, I'm going to tell you the secret to the best hot chocolate. First, heat the milk in a pot on the stove, but don't boil it. Then add cocoa powder and sugar to taste. This is so much better than using Nesquik. You can add spices like nutmeg or powdered peanut butter if you're feeling adventurous. Please know that no feeling is final, so please stay strong. You'll outlast whatever you're going through. If you don't have hope, persist out of spite. Don't let your troubles win. I hope your holiday season is filled with cheer and chocolate. (laughs) That was that, amazing. There is humanity left yes. in this world, and my kids give me hope for humanity, if I'm being completely honest. But before, oh Jesus, before I start tearing up over here, let's dive in to our talk today. Both feet first. Both feet first, literally. I got so many texts and emails from you guys about the last podcast. Every single one of you, the thing that was common to every single reach out was Dylan's comment about the feet. So Dylan, take it away. Oh, I don't know how far I can take it right now because obviously 
we are not physicians, we're not podiatrists. So this is just based off of experience and research that I have tried to utilize in um, the years of my coaching and training. But the feet are definitely the foundation um, for balance and stability, obviously. I know that sounds silly, but um, that's essentially it. So if your gait is off and you're walking a certain way, if your feet are pronating, over pronating or under pronating, which means like if they're uh, rolling kind of laterally or outside or rolling inward immediately, um, that's going to affect the stability and balance within your body, starting with your knee. So knee pain could come from, you know, poor gait. Um, it will, it could affect your nervous system. Think about like a column that's, that's skewed a little bit, then things kind of get shifted. Uh, digestive system for sure, lower back pain, neck pain. A lot of this originates from the feet. So I have a question to ask yes. you as it relates to feet. Mm -hmm. What are our thoughts on the ever increasing supply of painfully ugly running shoes? Do they do anything? Do they help? Do they have a negative impact? Both? Um, I read a book. Um, geez, I feel old. It might have been almost 20 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, Born to Run. Mm -hmm. um, and it, they found a, I don't know if you call it a tribe or community deep in the Mexico mountains. Mm -hmm. um, they were long distance runners. And basically they, for some reason, they, this tribe community, they, that was their thing. They ran, but they just ran in very simple, I don't know, <laughs> sandals. And they, you know, they, they tied them up their, uh, their shin and they could run for hundreds of miles without any injury. And there was a gentleman who went out to study how they could do this. Um, in that study, what he found is that they're landing at a different spot on their foot. So mm -hmm. mostly like the ball of their foot versus the heel. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not going to get into it too much um, just to entice you uh, for <laughs> another episode, but you can find the book. Uh, it's a quick read. It's very interesting. But the invention of the running shoe mm -hmm. Times, just let's just use the marathon. The Chicago Marathon mm -hmm. was recent. So let's just use that. Times of a marathon decreased because of the running shoe, because people were heel striking. Wait, so times, wouldn't the times have increased? I'm sorry. They yeah. increased. Yes. So yeah. they were getting slower. Ah, uh, they were getting slower, slower because yes. of the shoe. Because of the, where the foot was placed because of the cushion. And I don't know cushioning. if you remember, you know, the Forrest Gump shoe, that running shoe. The Forrest Gump shoe. Have you ever seen the movie Forrest Gump? Obviously. We've watched Forrest Gump have together. Have you seen it though? Yes. It's on. Yes. It doesn't mean that you're watching it. True, but okay. we have watched remember? it and I've actively engaged with the movie Forrest Gump. Yes. Okay. You don't remember the running shoe? I need to Google this now. Oh my God. I'm gonna... You know what? We're, <laughs> Stop I'm it. Done. Stop I'm it. Out. Keep talking. Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump it's running shoe. It's the first like, basic Nike running shoe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They look like bowling shoes. Right. Okay. Yes. I know That's what you're talking about. That's the first, you know quintessential, you know, running shoe. Uh, so when that evolved, when the running shoe evolved, that's when times increased. Um, and we tended to have more injuries basically, um, through studies, like more 
knee pain, hip, back, things of that nature. Okay. Did I answer your question? You did. You did. Ish. No, that was perfect. That was perfect. So not only do have Dylan and I discussed last week that we wanted to address more structural, functional movements, not again, not necessarily saying that we are trying to create a community that is Amish or like the Mayans who have no access to electricity or modern luxuries and modern privileges. That's not what we're getting at at all. But the idea of what we uh, want to go forward with is a nonprofit, we're thinking. And I think today will be a great episode, Dylan, for us to kind of just live brainstorm our ideas. Yeah. And if if people want to email me with the email mentioned and in the housekeeping show notes with what they think might benefit their own little community, that would be very helpful. Not necessarily saying that I, in an accusatory tone, that people will steal this, but this uh, this is copyrighted, so I just <laughs> want to make that clear. Dylan is giving me a look. Why are you giving me a look? That's important to stay. Um, cognitive processing. I didn't say how. I asked why. Same thing. Okay, whatever. So we're brainstorming. Dylan is going to be kind of the nutrition exercise movement side of things. Dylan, what are you thinking would be most important or what are you most excited to address? I should say. Okay. Um, Well, I'm going to utilize it right now with you. Okay. What are you seeing? With what? With what you just asked me. Me being excited. Are you so, deterring from what I asked you by just no, asking, answering a question no, with a question? No, I'm not. So what am I excited about? First, you gotta get, As it what? relates to what we want to do. Yeah. First, we got to have a foundation. That's what I'm saying. What, yeah. what do we believe the foundation is? Asking questions, finding out what goals are, mm-hmm. what they're doing, how they are perceiving or how they're executing what they think are they, I'm sorry, are they executing anything that they might be gearing towards their goals? Are mm-hmm. they, is anyone sedentary? Is this something new? Um, nutrition wise, what are they eating? I mean, you, and everyone's different. So that's what I'm excited about. Finding out, you know, an individual uh, program that that person thinks that they want to have or that they think that they have already. Mm-hmm. Dive into that. Yeah. Very simple. Very stock. I think simple is what's missing. And we've talked about so much about scalability in the last few weeks in pursuit of this is I told you, I think yesterday, and you've heard me say this a million times, I just have always really struggled with one-to-one work. I can't stand one-to-one sessions. I never wanted to sit one-to-one in talk therapy. One-to-one is draining for me. I can't stand feeling like I'm stuck in the same room with one person. I, I just want, I've, and plus it's too hard to try to get these basic principles to hundreds and hopefully thousands of people. You're not going to do that trying to address it one person at a time. So we had this conversation last night. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to pretend, you know, that we didn't going have back it. in time, you know, <laughs> do a little, okay. do we listen to news right there? Okay. okay. Yep. Back to the future. Uh-huh. Um, 
the reason why I believe that you don't like one-on-one is because of the field that you're in right now. Because one-on-one, in my opinion, that was that was extremely challenging. Yeah. I true. had one-on-one sessions with clients for decades mm-hmm. and it just essentially got boring. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, when I opened up uh, my first business, it, you know, I had multiple people come in and multiple clients at once. And yeah, it was a little bit more fun, but then, uh, there are, there is a catch 22 with that. Yeah. So, um, one-on-one, I think for this endeavor would be necessary until you can get a group of what you think, you know, they could all fit together. And then they, we can communicate together. So like, oh, this person, like obviously essentially um, everybody's got the same idea. They want to be healthier. They want to be, they want to lose weight. They want to get stronger. They want to eat better. Um, So, but you need to kind of dive in. I wouldn't mind doing it one-on-one. I'm not saying I would do it forever, but in the beginning, to start, 100%. So do you anticipate maybe there's a period of time that's suggested being a little bit more individualized and hyper-focused? Yep. And then over time, like you said, if we're putting all of these people together and welcoming them into a community, yep. maybe they're the ones that become mentors to each other. They run it. They run it. I love this idea. And I heard this when I was listening. Again, I've mentioned this a few times. The Ask a Jew podcast. Instead of therapy and these one-to-one gurus and life coaches and all the other bullshit jobs that are out there, they they go about it similarly. So they offer kind of more individualized support. And then as the person becomes more independent in applying that, then older people in the community become the mentors. And then as people age, they become mentors. I love this idea. Yeah. Okay. I need to write this because I don't think we've ever actually, we well, didn't get to this point yesterday. Well, I don't it's think. In Larry King book. Uh, you can talk to anyone at any time. And one thing that I got out of his book, and this is what I, utilized when I was training a group is if everyone's quiet, obviously, you know, it's not always talking. It's not always moving. There is, um, direction, there's instruction, but you also want people to feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. So what an instructor does, what a director does, if in that, you know, specific scenario, that specific situation is you throw the question out mm-hmm. and you're going to see everyone lap it up and they talk amongst themselves that's when the beauty really happens that's when it occurs yeah and then you can just direct like okay this is a this is a great topic boom okay let's try this and yeah and do it this way and with what people will i mean we all receive things differently we all interpret things differently so whoever begins at the individual level we have no idea what kind of creative juices will spark from that and they will likely be able to help people in ways that you and me can't because we just we're different people and i think that's the beauty of it and i think that's really what's sorely achingly missing from today's traditional therapy which i just put in today's Substack, is this aspect of not necessarily handing over the baton, but sharing the wealth of knowledge and compassion that we're able to get from these sorts of small little pockets. And and the gatekeeping, I hate that word. I hate any buzzword. I just don't know how else to put it. 
the obsessive manner in which we feel only these people could have this information and only you can earn this. That is what's keeping us sick and mentally ill and unstable and bitch like. Well, I've said this for years, even, you know, while training and coaching, we are all our own special snowflake. So apparently there's not one snowflake that's the same. And all you have to do is recognize that and, you know, you might have to change shit on the fly. Mm -hmm. And um, that's okay, you know, but that takes experience and time and contending with, you know, certain clients, certain, um, yeah, students, Mm -hmm. what have you. Mm -hmm. So once people are... Once they're, once they're comfortable and I guess have some fluency in applying the skills that we teach at an individual level, mm-hmm. and then they've kind of stepped up to the community level where they're helping each other, they're helping yeah. others, they're helping newbies, what have you, then what might change about your approach, you think? Would that become more basic education? Would you get more specific? Would you get more advanced? Like, What do you envision happening when we get to that point? You want me to speak honestly? Yeah, we're just, this is brainstorming live. (laughs) All right, so this is, okay. I have no fucking idea (laughs) because I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't either. And so, you know, if you have, just say hypothetically, you know, we have, let's say four people that are interested, right? Mm -hmm. And we've talked with each of them individually. You know, we write down notes, we ask questions, you know, that they're going to have to answer so that we get a better idea of, okay, what's your definition of, I don't know, uh, better eating habits. Mm -hmm. Like what's your definition of that? What's your definition of exercise? What's like, so there's a lot of questions that, you know, that, you know, we're going to plug in, Mm -hmm. um, and say, okay, so-and-so boom. All right. We can kind of label or narrow. Maybe there's like, I have 10 goals and we can narrow that down to maybe four because, you know, there's some that might kind of, coincide with one another. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then, okay, now let's move the pieces, but you got to start again at the foundation. So I, I don't know. I mean, I have an idea, but it's not, it's not anything that I'm like, Oh, I'm I'm going to follow. This is step A, this is step B. Because it's constantly changing. Yeah. You can't follow, um, you know, there is protocol, but you can't follow something that's been written down for the last hundred years. It's not going to work. Yeah especially with technological advances and all the other stuff that could interfere with what we want to do. One thing I I brought up to you yesterday was long, 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 long term goal Mm -hmm. was similar to this show. It was the called the lost boys on Netflix, right? It was all of the guys that had drug and alcohol addictions and they were brought to a remote farm. And from probably what, like four or 5 AM until the evening, they were just, farming they were doing labor and it reminded me of this study a gambling study actually where they looked they turned these pigeons into degenerate gamblers basically and degenerate cokeheads and then as soon as they released them into the wild where they included this lever to give themselves cocaine the pigeons still interacted with their surroundings and it they the writer it was michael easter he compared this to how humans are like the technology and social media and anything with a computer and an iphone is our skinner's box and 
so few of us are out in the actual wild free from phones that we're using these devices as if they are cocaine. We are all yeah. degenerates now because we're of these iPhones. To it. Yes. Yes. And I didn't want to admit that I I honestly think I had a compulsive issue with my phone. I think that I had a compulsive issue with checking Instagram, especially after everything exploded. It was constantly at the front of my mind, wondering what are people saying? Has anyone commented? What might be in my inbox? It was just so absolutely stupid and embarrassing. Well, it doesn't take science or stats to support that hypothesis common sense yeah <laughs> that's days, missing too like everyone is on their phone mm -hmm. everyone mm -hmm. so that reminds me of a line from dumb and dumber you i know i've watched it at least 157 times <laughs> you attempted to watch it once like and then sat through it yeah, yeah no you sat through it I you know I, through you, it. no you sat through it on your phone <laughs> But there was a, a line. It was my nightmare. Yeah, where I forget um, the guy's name in the movie. I'm sure, you know, Al will know. Mm -hmm. um, but there, he's in a payphone and he's going to kill Lloyd and Harry. And he's talking to the guy whose money that they didn't know that they stole. And this guy's outside the payphone saying, Get off the phone. <laughs> Get off the phone. And the guy punches him through the glass and knocks him out. <laughs> we all could use a little bit yeah, more of that, huh? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it, yeah, it is an addiction, but yes. we all do it. I, oh, I just realized I never completed my, my thought about the Lost Boys. Long, oh. long, 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 long term goal. Kind of similar to where you work now, except our version of it. The This is where our ancient principles of adapted to modern day mm -hmm. comes in. I would kill, we would kill, to be able to have as large of a plot as the place where you work and have there be a chicken coop and farming responsibilities and a giant kitchen, like an assembly line, the way if you go to like a Mexican community and you see that it is a village affair to make something like tamales and tortillas cafeteria. or a high school cafeteria and Offering Kitchen. those yep. opportunities for young and old people, it doesn't matter the age, just togetherness, free of technology and doing things for the sake of doing them, not so that it looks a certain way yeah. online. I think that would just be the most fantastic thing. And it would be really similar to what they do when we watch that uh, uh, that episode of, of Schwalmstadt Prison. Oh, yeah. That's fantastic. That I forget if I've talked about it on here. So like I'm that, going that to crazy. really quickly again, and I can't even remember the things we've talked about now. Schwalmstadt prison is one of the most interesting systems in Germany. I have ever seen. It is in Germany and their prisoners are given almost complete independence contingent on them attending therapy and committing to what we just talked about. So their prisoners are given keys to their own cell so they could let themselves in and out. They're allowed to socialize in the corridor with other inmates. And some of their cells actually look like dorms because they've attended mm -hmm. intensive psychotherapy sessions. They've put in actual man 
manhandle labor, hard work, and construction on site to earn these privileges so they can be seen cooking bolognese and spaghetti with homegrown tomatoes and all of their own. Don't forget the movie studio. The movie studio, that's right. They have the recording they studio. They had a yeah. recording studio and the the host of the show, he was British? British. Yeah. He was convicted of a crime in London. He was wrongly convicted of a crime. He was in jail for twelve years before he was exonerated. Yeah, and these um they were like murderers yes right these they were, were just dirty yeah. drug test people i mean these were smuggling drugs they were yes. very severe dangerous people and so long as they showed a commitment to their culture and the community in schwamsat and themselves personally they were given access to privileges that many people in the outside world take for granted yeah. and when they were asked uh, you know, do, do you think this, we should be punishing these crimes? Do you think this is enabling them knowing that they get to come here and just live regularly? And what all the inmates said was no, because it's still jail. We're still sealed off from the outside world. We're still behind prison walls and we're still kind of locked away mm -hmm. from modern society. And I guess that's a good point. I think the, one of the reasons you would never be able to do that in America, quite frankly, is because um, they just profit too much from people being in and out of prison and, yeah, <laughs> and being sick and ill and dependent on these larger societal systems. But that was what we were thinking in terms of people with way, mental. Yeah. Yeah. Way down the line. Pipeline. way yeah. down the pipeline yeah. we honestly would have no idea where to start with that uh i'm assuming the way that your company does it yeah it was just yeah they kind of do that now i mean they um they have stables and they use horse therapy as part of the outings for our participants um which is is great it gets them out um mm -hmm. and uh learning you know how to wash a horse how to brush a horse how to feed a horse how to clean up their shit mm -hmm. um you know it's it's a it's a great experience for them and it actually it's, it's very nice to just get out and be out you know labor is such an important and liberating freeing yeah. thing and i this is what other cultures do this is how they keep their people not only busy, but happy. And they're, they, they tell them why they're doing it. That's the thing is they, they don't explain it in a way like this is tortilla making therapy. This is good for your self care. They connect it to a larger communal ideal and they give them the purpose of being there to support family members yeah. and being a mentor and, and helping younger generations and, I feel like in an individualistic country like America, we're so self-obsessed and self-absorbed that we can't even fathom a community like that because we're obsessed only with ourselves and less so with anybody else. Well, this is, you know, not getting too off the beaten path here, but this is very um, religious oriented, you know, a thousand there's, percent, you know, there's, there's cultures and there's churches, there's, 
kingdom halls, witnesses call, there's temples, uh, there's mosques, and, you know, they have, you know, gatherings for their, um, their members, and it works very well. Uh, and my understanding is, you know, people that have come from the old country into the Chicagoland area, they tend to find places to live that are closest to where they go to church, where they go to worship. Mm-hmm. Um, and that builds a community with the Jehovah's witnesses. And I was raised as one. I'm not a Jehovah's witness because they didn't allow me to be a Jehovah's witness. That's on them. Not me. <laughs> Actually. No, it's on me. Um, but they would do these. I don't know if anyone has ever heard of this, but it's still practiced today. Um, so they do a two day build. So, they take months to, you know, buy the property, yada, yada, yada. They, you know, the foundation is poor, da, 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 da. and then they schedule a weekend where they're going to literally frame, mm-hmm. cover, electric, plumbing, everything. So there's yeah. all it is, is just the cement and, you know, on Saturday morning and Sunday night, you yeah. have a full standing kingdom hall. Yeah. And there are people that come from hundreds and hundreds of miles away That's that are cool it, it was cool i remember being in a brick line because what can a you know a 10 year old do like oh all the bricks are in the back and we yes. had a we had like an 800 meter line of like here just passing bricks and they were like the brick layers were like it went up fast um and it was very cool uh in retrospect and but um yeah i mean that's it's a community and once you get a community involved within itself um wow yeah it's it's very powerful it's very unbelievably powerful and that's where a lot of i know that you're kind of like we don't need research to tell us brainwashing too and i also agree but i think that a lack of community continues to to come up as a large contributor to poor mental health especially among amongst today's kids um, they're just not being taught to do much of anything because because we think that they're these fragile little beings. One of the things I love in the Mayan method of parenting, they approach behavior in one quote. If a child misbehaves, they need more responsibilities. I love that. And I will probably do more of the stuff as it relates to our little business idea as it relates to working with the younger children or I don't know, Dylan, you tell me because I think this could be applicable to all ages, not necessarily just adults. Yeah. I mean, I guess it depends on the, you know, the circumstance and situation, but then they have a, a show where like these misbehave, adolescents went to like a boot camp or they went to jail and they yes. were just screamed at all what day. Was, like, well, that's not the Mayan method well, though. You know, I mean, that's I, entirely I, I still don't punishing. Any, I, I don't see any wrong in that. I don't, I think <laughs> it's me. Yeah, no, I don't necessarily see anything wrong with that in the sense that we all, you know, this whole concept of, Oh, we have to use reinforcement first. That's bullshit. That's just a fluffy way of wasting time and, allowing yourself to tell people that you went the soft route and you're a compassionate person. Um, The real world doesn't work in terms of exhausting all reinforcement principles until they punish you. So, (laughs) I mean, I would love that because I would have saved a lot of money in speeding tickets. Uh, All of us would have loved that. 
if we got endless warnings until finally they just had to punish us. That's not the way the world works. And the Mayan method does not see it that way. They see it as, you know what, if you're going to flop around and cry on the floor, then we are not going to stoop to your level. There is no negotiation. Right now, frankly, there is no such thing as choice because you are the child and I am the adult. So when you're done, pick up a goddamn broom and help clean the house. (laughs) Yeah, I think they should be doing that anyway. I think so, too. Who else is going to suffer? You know, again, this is a different this is it depends on the circumstance. So if let's just say this child that's flopping around on the floor, throwing a temper tantrum, who gives that child an age? Um, five. Okay. When it's most common. And this child, I don't, you know, I'm not going to say boy or girl. Um, that's sexist. Yes. So, but if this, (laughs) if this child has an older brother or older brothers and older sister or sisters or both, and because this one's flopping around on the floor, you know, okay, well, we're not going to the store, then everyone suffers. So what does the older siblings they're suffering from this person's, their sibling, this flopping around kid. True, but in other cultures, the siblings would also ignore or they would offer assistance or they would pick them up and basically bring them to a chicken coop yeah, so or a tortilla. Involved as yes, well. like, they listen, get them involved. Listen, you're not ruining this for me, motherfucker. Get up. Yes. <laughs> yeah. One of yeah. the big things that I love about more of these ancient principles, which I would love to bring to more, uh, you know, preschool, kindergarten, elementary schools is incorporating more boredom throughout the day. I think we're in this time now where we feel like we need to be stimulating children all of the time. Every moment is a teaching opportunity. By the time they're in kindergarten, they must be able to, have all of their times tables memorized and see numbers and letters and everything that they do and prepare them for the SAT so they could get into fucking Harvard. And it completely stunts creativity to just try to filter and almost not even sanitize, but just make these weird environments that from floor to ceiling are covered in toys. Like we're, we're unwilling to accept that, children and adults it's part of our dna to want to explore things and in order to explore and use our imagination and build these kind of more abstract ways of thinking we have to be willing to sit with not much of anything if you just keep shoving us things like computers and phones and music and movies that doesn't teach any skill it just fills in time And it also completely lets us avoid uh, having to sit with our own thoughts and feelings. You can look at it that way. I look at it. um, Well, I also look at it that way, your Mm -hmm. way or what you just mentioned, but we're not moving. That too. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. We're not moving. Yeah. And then um, if you're, if someone sits all day, Mm -hmm. you know, and not, you know, I'm not, there's a lot of jobs that we have. I, there's some times during the day where I have to sit and set a Terry and I'm on the computer or I have to be, you know, answering emails or doing research. So I'm sitting, but if you are sitting pretty much the whole day, mm-hmm. you don't need many calories. 
Yeah, we're, we, there's, oh, here we go. This is good. This is the concept. And this is why I would love if people were willing, I would love uh, people that are able or again, willing to detox from social media, specifically those in the health and fitness realm. I would really love to hear your guys experiences being away from the typical information that's peddled and see how your perception of yourself and health changes because a lot of what we see on social media is the protein window, the post-workout meal. You should be eating more and make sure you have a balance of this and this, which is important. Don't get me wrong in terms of a, a balanced diet. But I think many of us are eating far more than we need to be considering we don't have to scavenge food. We don't have to dig for food. We hardly ever have to pick anything up. Even the act of eating, everything is made to like melt on your tongue. So there's no, there's no effort anymore, even to eat things like potatoes. Have you ever eaten a plain baked potato? It's painful trying to gnaw through that thing. (laughs) Not a plain baked potato. I've a raw potato. A raw potato. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's hard. It's <laughs> yeah. things like you that. You don't want to eat after you've eaten a raw potato. Yes, it's like that's taking up time. Your mouth hurts. It's yeah. Well, there's you're also done. there's also the obsession with making everything taste fantastic well, all of just, the time. Yeah. Oh, you're bored of eating chicken and rice? Here is a 75-step ingredient list with arrowroot, almond blanche, flour, starch that's gluten-free that will help you make it sound taste like a brownie. You're better off uh, allowing yourself to eat an actual brownie and then making real whole food choices throughout the rest of the week that are focused more on nutrients that are housed in this food versus taste and if it looks good in a picture yeah and it's macros being balanced with well it's it you know we add seasoning you know for flavor but like we can go off on many different tangents which i think you and i already have <laughs> but thinking about like primal like you can think about your blood type. You can think about what was actually accessible to us as we were standing upright. Um, the migration of that when, you know, animals and meat became, um, wasn't available that we moved somewhere else, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but think about that in itself. Like, okay, you know, the, let's just bring up the paleo diet. Mm-hmm. right? And I don't want to get too far into this, but again, I've been, you know, spiels up the wazoo regarding this stuff. We got to, we got to reserve those. But think about this. If hypothetically think about what it would have been like 10,000 BC, whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. Don't quote my my years. What? All right. You just killed um, a a saber tooth tiger. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And you were running from it Mm -hmm. because you had to. So that's the functional part of it. So we get into that. Like you have to run. You run for food and you have to run so you're not food, right? So you got to move, One number one. You get that meat, right? You get the saber, you start cutting it up. Mm-hmm. Now, who's going to, you know, grunt? Who's got the salt? Anybody have fire? <laughs> like, no, you're, you're going to eat it as is, right? They didn't have like, 
you know, salted, you know, plain. Like, you might have lighted salted cashews over there on that tree. No, you, it was just that in itself. And we survived somehow. Why are you laughing? That was just funny. <laughs> no one's going to grunt who's got the salt. That's fucking hilarious. Seriously, no, though. Seriously, yeah, that's it. And you know what? Here's another thing that what we just, well, we're starting to think about. The organs. The organs, the yes. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. Okay, really quick. I am, we all know this. My, one of my kids made my day the other day. He said, you know what, Miss Perry, you brought up books a lot today. And I said, I know, I love books. I think at the end of each episode. Hold on. Before I ahead. lose my thought, remind me next time to talk about milk. Okay. You want to talk about it next no. time? No, yeah, next time. Oh, man. No. Okay. I think each episode, Dylan, because Dylan is my new co-host, so it's just going to be basically the two of us. Really? Damn it. Shit. <laughs> I couldn't, well, are you able to pencil me well, into your yeah, schedule? Is that I okay? Was, yeah, no. Okay. Glad to be here. Thank you. So beginning is going to be housekeeping. End of the episode, I do want to, I love book recommendations. There are so many good ones out there, especially as it relates to ourselves in a larger system of the American uh, Medical Institution <laughs> and Health. And I also am interested in a very broad, easy, no-nonsense little challenge of the week because I do want to hear from people that are willing to do little behavioral experiments on themselves. So my book recommendation that I will say this week, it is called Deep Nutrition by Kate Shanahan. It is so thorough. It, I mean, it goes into the skulls of the people from Sabretooth Tiger times. And it looks at how much, even the symmetry of their faces in people that are tr like tribal Africans and Aborigines. And structurally, they're just so much more sturdy and durable than, than a lot of people now, which I find super interesting. Uh, oh, Dylan just brought out a book. Which one's your book, Rack? Well, I kind of brought this up last, our last. That's okay. Yeah. Um, Eat Right for Your Type. Mm -hmm. It's by Dr. Peter, how do you pronounce that? D Diamo? Diamo. Diamo. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's not necessarily a quick read, but you can uh, choose your own adventure if you know your blood type. And it's just interesting um, I think you and I talked about, and you know, I've, I've mentioned this to my clients over the years. Um, this is not a, uh, set in stone way of thinking. It's just a different way of thinking mm -hmm. and you got to keep mixing it up. Yes. Um, especially if you get into a routine, basic routine, you got to change it up. Same thing with, with your nutrition strategy. Mm -hmm. I don't call it a diet because we all have a diet. Mm -hmm. You're not going to go on a diet. You're already on a diet. You're, I call it a nutrition strategy, and you got to change that up, especially okay. as we mature. Gorgeous, beautiful, and uh, no, I'm just using. Uh, <laughs> really quick, before we cut you guys loose, I the challenge that I would like people to do within the next week, and if you please, I am just begging to connect with people that do the same things that me and Dylan do, so we could compare and contrast our experiences. My challenge for you is to do a complete social media detox. So I'm not talking about, uh, you know, going on it on your computer and not your phone. No computer, no phone, delete it off of your devices. If you're able to block email notifications, block that. And in the next week, carve out five minutes 
each day where you sit completely unstimulated. No phone, no TV, no computer, no talking. And just make a note of where your mind goes and what you're able to come up with. And I'd love to hear your experience. Dylan, do you have any challenges as it relates to movement or nutrition? Um, yeah, not nutrition. What about the 800 gram challenge? That might be something easy. No, not nutrition. Okay. Um, walk. Okay. Give us details about walking. Um, I think you put the right foot forward and then the left and Dylan, you keep that up. How much time <laughs> is this? So like try to pace? walk for, yes. Yeah, so you, um, you suggested, suggested five minutes of complete solitude, nothing, boom, right? Mm-hmm. So I would suggest like walking for 30 minutes, put on a podcast, put on some music this is your time. 30 minutes. How many times a week? Three. Times three. That's it. Three times a week. Don't worry about what you're eating. Don't worry about, you know, we get into all of that. But just even if you are walking, that's fine. Then clock it. Yes. What like I, three times a week. That's, that's it. If you're doing throw, above and beyond that, keep, keep, have at it. I would have thrown this out there really quickly for people because I know people will say I don't have time. I have texted, Bullshit. I have texted back and forth with some people for over 30 minutes. So if you could sit there texting me, you could be walking. I so just, just throwing bullshit. it out there. I, you, I agree. 30 you know, fucking minutes. You, 24 hours in a day <laughs> is plenty of time. I've heard yes. that. You know, like, oh my gosh, there's not enough time in a day. There's plenty of time in a day. Exactly. As my beautiful, as our beautiful friend Shantae says, you have time. It's just not a priority for you. That's so right. rephrase Everyone it to yourself that way. Can get up a half an hour early. Oh uh-huh. my God, God forbid. But what I always used to say, some mm-hmm. people get up and some people roll back over. So you choose. On that note, we will see you guys next week. Shaka. <laughs> This show was produced by Pretty Easy Podcasts and made possible by listeners like you. If you ever thought of doing your own podcast, please visit prettyeasypodcasts.com.